0: Hey, no driving gloves. No, that, was a, night.
1: that was a pretty cool new intro graphic. Actually, <laughs> need- the Speedo. I don't know that they were actually matching up. But look, at look at that. Look at that. Half a tank of gas.
0: Amp meter right in the middle.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fancy.
0: So no driving gloves. We're giving it a shot tonight, Thursday night, nine o'clock recording time. Hopefully you'll be hearing this tomorrow morning audio if uh, the producer here gets his act together probably Mm -hmm. not you probably have to wait till monday for audio but if you're listening to this audio you know when you got it
1: (laughs) exactly and who knows you might not listen to it for like four days after you unload it and it comes out so
0: i think derek and i have a multitude of topics tonight we're going to bounce around to a couple of things we're going to talk VIN numbers we're going to talk the idiots and who how they write a car and Uh, we can
1: connect those two together
0: Yes, and uh, of course, I've got my little probably sub things. Um, that's not. Um, this Florida family, have you heard this Florida family' is whining and crying because they have a um, fusion, I think it is hybrid or a, a electric fusion or something, some electric Ford. And they're bitching that the battery costs like eighteen, thousand dollars and it's not available and wine or maybe 14, thousand and the battery's not available. Wine, 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 wine. wine um number one you can buy used I've got a friend who has a Prius and he's bought three different um rebuilt batteries for it over the time he's um multi a um, lot less than the retail from Toyota I think he's paying two or three thousand dollars for a battery pack so there's that okay
1: so but 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 I'm gonna throw in there because I don't know the answer to this my question to that would be is there something in the warranty? Of the fusion that says it has to be replaced with a new battery and Um, by, say, by your dealership. Yeah.
0: No, it's not a war. If it's warranty, actually, battery electric cars are guaranteed. The batteries by federal law are warrantied for eight years. Uh, This happens to be a, she paid $11,000 for a Ford Focus electric car, 2014 model. So that doesn't make sense. So it's probably just outside of that eight years.
1: It's just out. Yep.
0: Um, had the car for six months before it began giving her issues and flashing symbols, and now the battery shot. She has to replace the battery. Supposedly, Ford doesn't make the battery for it anymore, which, again, you only have to make parts for a car for eight years. So it's eight-year-old car. But there are rebuilt things um, available. And uh, so I'm reading the article, too. Uh, problem is the battery costs 14000
1: For a brand what? new one? Well, if there's no brand new ones available, is that 14000 for a rebuilt?
0: No, I'm assuming that's $14,000 price in the Ford catalog because the part number probably still exists. Ah. Okay. okay. A couple of months back, a certain person tried to do his best risky business and submerged his German car. $18,000 and a month later, he got his car back. All it was was a motor. I'm upset. Mm-hmm. My internal combustion engine car motor almost cost as much as the car. If I would have a car that was three years older, the motor would have cost as much as the value of the car. What the heck is the difference? The battery is effectively the heart of an electric car. Mm-hmm. So, fourteen thousand um, bucks. Who's the editor of uh, Motor Trend? Johnny Lieberman. He had a Ford Focus, I believe it was an RS. Motor blew up on him, and he was quoted something like fourteen or sixteen thousand dollars from what he said on his podcast about uh, to have the motor replaced in his. Ford focus so i don't see what the wine is you have an old car it broke it's 14 grand mm-hmm. it's just like replacing your motor so quit winding down maybe think ahead maybe go uh well, let's see. i got a car it's eleven thousand dollars it's eight years old it's electric you know
1: well it's not even it's it, well it part of it is thinking ahead john but part of it is, is doing your research Yes. If if you're going to buy an electric vehicle, especially a used electric, do your research on It's just like buying any internal combustion vehicle it, that's used, right? It's it's the same thing. You want to look at what yeah, you know, what have been the known issues with the car? Has it had major engine issues? Are there a bunch of, you know, Technical bulletins and recalls and and anything like that. You know, technical what, TSBs, technical yeah. service bulletins. You know, you do all that research when you go to buy a used internal combustion engine powered car, right? Do the same thing with an electric car. You you're gonna find out that the batteries cost a lot of money to replace just like an engine costs a lot of money to replace in a car it, as you say it's it's effectively the same component right it's it's either the internal combustion engine that's powering the vehicle or it's a battery that is powering a vehicle and yeah. you know it's it, it's about doing your research and understanding what you're getting yourself into
0: man i can say exactly you know i think it we it's people are dealing with they remember um get a jasper engine for 3 grand put it in your car. And
1: so but it just it's just well I mean you can still do a, that just yeah. buy an old enough vehicle to be able to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it just I just hate these articles that are so slanted against electric vehicles. Not that I'm saying they're the end all solve all everything. Uh except Berkshire Hathaway may have actually made a big leap in uh, I don't know we want to talk about that i've only heard some brief sn- snippets of that
1: i was gonna say evidently you heard something i haven't because i haven't heard anything about berkshire right. hathaway
0: um there is a dry lake bed in california massive um, i mean uh, thousands of acres that berkshire owns let me see if i can figure out the name of it I'm trying berkshire. to think of which
1: because there's el mirage but don't think the that's salt. Private. salt and sea oh salt and sea
0: Berkshire Hathaway. Um, I didn't realize
1: Berkshire Hathaway.
0: Warren Buffett. Well, uh, yeah. Warren, Buff- <laughs> Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is one of the prospectors in the California Lithium Va- Valley. Um, let's see here. Fast forward 174 years from the start of the gold rush to now. Uh, I guess see here. it's not saying. But basically Berkshire has the Salton Sea. And, of course, San Andreas Fault goes through it. And they've been getting certain things out of it. But what they've now done is they think they have figured out a way to extract the lithium that is in the Salton Sea environmentally safe. And they claim there is enough lithium in there to meet any level of demand in the foreseeable future. Hmm. So all of a sudden, now we have an American um, place to produce our lithium. Um supposedly we can mine it safely. Like I say, I haven't dug deep into this. I don't wanna make this an electric car show, but that was a neat little thing that I did here. And I read this morning when it comes to that, um, let me see if I can find out that it has not officially passed, but um, let's see here, generally $7,500 tax credits on electric vehicles, are going to come back. It Doesn't matter how many cars they sold. Uh, you know, Tesla and GM right now. You can't get seventy or seventy-five hundred dollars because they've sold too many cars. Ford and Nissan are going to surpass their uh, their cap number, but it looks like. And I'm reading this um, secondhand. Cars will need to be less than fifty-five grand. Trucks and SUVs and vans need to be under eighty grand. Your income needs to be under one hundred and fifty individual or three hundred joint. Just kind of what they normally say. Could be retroactive to the first of this year. So seventy-five hundred dollars to buy an electric car again or discount it. Uh, supposedly the discount instead of waiting to taxes could be immediate. They're talking about a four thousand dollar tax credit on used electric vehicles um, sold, electric cars sold for under twenty five k or thirty percent of the sale price, whichever is lower. They must be sold through a dealer, and one resale credit for the life of the vehicle. And the income limits are half, seventy five and one hundred, and you can only take one credit in a three year period. So, looks like the government's gonna. I don't know. Is that? I'm not going to get in politics, but the government's going yeah. to th- throw that $7,500 in there. And then the person that I was reading this from ha- posed the question, the Tesla Model Y is priced above 55 k and the government's saying that that would not be covered um, under this uh, uh, $7,500 because it's too expensive. However, Tesla considers the Model Y to be an SUV, so maybe this is a topic for the future. What defines a car as an SUV?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Now, now,
0: of course, the Model Y is built off the Model 3 platform. So you know, the Model Y is just effective. But that was another thing that I came across my desk. I'll throw that
1: one out. Intriguing. Intriguing. We'll so, save that for a later show.
0: Yeah, We'll save that for a later show. We'll look into the Berkshire Hathaway thing. Um
1: mm-hmm. What's your bitch for the week, Derek? We'll line up Warren Buffett. Yeah, it's not... Unheard of!
0: I like you know if be, we. It, I'm like two people separated from Warren.
1: I mean, if we can't get Warren, maybe we can get Jimmy. I mean, he can just he he likes the sea, so mm-hmm. he could probably talk about the Sultan Sea, right?
0: Um, I'm not a big Jimmy fan. Oh well,
1: well, that's unfortunate. Uh, so, um, what is my gripe of the week? What's really grinding my gears? What do I want to complain about? Is that what you're asking me?
0: Yeah, and believe it or not, what I just talked about with the electric car battery replacement is not mine.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, So uh, mine uh, is the uh, major issue that uh, I think we seem to be having in this country of uh, people crossing the yellow line.
0: Ooh, well you can swing back to the Randy Post episode discussing that.
1: I I wasn't on that episode. So I do apologize if we've already discussed it, but it's just getting really annoying when when you're on a straightaway clear road and the person coming at you, oh, come on, Toby, you took my... Uh, that was going to be my big, big epic moment of the show tonight. Uh, anyway, Toby's in our comments, but seeing the audio listeners can't see that. Uh, yes, it it just makes me want to yell, over the line, Smokey, uh, because... It just drives me nuts. Like if you can see someone coming at you and I granted, I get that people are probably on their phone or doing something they shouldn't be doing. Hence the reason they're all over the road coming across the yellow line, but it's just ridiculous how many times, to- I mean, it is at least once on my commute both ways, morning and night that I deal with this and it's just ridiculous and especially if you're, I, I, I mean, it's really bad on a, on a straightaway where you can see if people are coming or if you wind up doing that and people are coming at you. Don't do it around a blind turn either. You know, if you're coming into a curve and it's a blind curve, don't cut the curve like you're uh, you know, a race car drive and look, driver looking for the straight line and apex to come out of the turn and get your speed up because there's bound to be someone on the other side. If, if you can see that there's nobody around, nobody coming at you, so on and so forth, you cut a little bit over the yellow line, you're not going to hurt anybody. That's a fault. But come on, people, let's get our acts together and do what we're supposed to do and keep it between the lines, because it's just it, it's getting absurd. And I still think I said it on one of the shows before. I think we were talking about Tale of the Dragon. I think there should be a race series on places like the Tale of the Dragon, where it's not about how fast you can get down, not about how you know you can but it should be about whether or not you can keep it between the lines going down the road. There should be a whole series dedicated to it on twisty, windy roads. How well can you do without touching or crossing the lines?
0: Yeah, Randy was on episode 127. And it was me and Sean Yoder um, who interviewed him. And somehow we got it talking exactly about that in Tale of the Dragon and crossing the center line. And I don't know if I brought it up in that episode or a later episode. I find it interesting that as car people, we want to find the twistiest, curviest road we can and then figure out how to drive it as straight as possible. Isn't yeah. the challenge the corners? And I totally agree with you. The challenge is to go down that road as fast as you can legally and stay in between the line. And it's just, I don't, like I said, I don't understand why people do it. Um, yeah, boy, I feel like, um, you know, Michael Schumacher, Ayrton Senna, or I don't even know who the hell's current in formula one, but I don't even know who the hell's current in NASCAR, but yeah, Derek, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you. Keep it between the lines. Simple enough.
1: It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, it's, like yeah, Toby's, Toby's comment here on the, uh, live, uh, video stream yes. is like, like the operation game, but with cars. Yes, exactly. It'd be kind of
0: cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, you know, we could probably, you could probably start programming it because now they've got the, 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 I'm, I'm going to call it for lack of a better term. Cause we're talking about games, video games, stuff like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the cars now on the backup sensor have the rumble pack in the seat. You know, you remember like PlayStation, you had your PlayStation, had the rumble pack in the the controller. And and now, you know, a lot of the new cars in the butt of the seat, you know, they've got the rumble pack that, you know, when you get too close to something, when backing up, it it vibrates the seat. You should do that when you cross the line.
0: That's um, what I want to say. Part of some of the car, some cars um, lane keeping or lane guidance system rumbles the seat. Yeah, you're right. We should step it up. Do they rumble
1: the seat on lane guidance?
0: Some cars do. I guess I haven't been in any of the cars that do. Hmm. But um, all you've got to do is say, if the car is exceeding the speed limit, we just need it to a little wire in the steering wheel that shocks you when you go out of the lane. Be just like the operation game.
1: Exactly. Just a nice little... Heavy insurance abilities there. I was going to say, yeah, what happens when you get the shock?
0: (laughs) Oh, God. And... What I got, and we've been talking about it briefly on the show for months, and I guess next week we're probably going to have to break down the full show on it. Car subscriptions?
1: Nah, let's just keep dragging it out.
0: BMW is making massive headlines because some newspaper or magazine found that they're charging a subscription fee for heated seats in some countries, including South Korea. And I can't remember what the money is, 20 bucks. And people are throwing a, can people research this? Number one, it's not new. BMW's done it before other car companies are doing it. Not a surprise. People are saying, oh, so you're building a car with stuff that, that I have to pay for. If you look at some of these, and I have not looked at the South Korean BMW purchase agreement, but from what I've read from BMW, if you are the original purchaser of the car, and you want heated seats, and say they decided to charge you $895 for that option, you pay $895, and you've got heated seats for the whole time you own the car. But say you buy the car and you live in Miami. You don't want heated seats, so you're not going to pay the $895. Year later, you get transferred to Montana. And unlike me, you probably keep your car more than a year. You go, hey, heated seats would be nice. Now BMW will give you the option. You can have it as a subscription. For twenty bucks a month, or give me eight hundred ninety-five dollars, and you don't have to pay me again. And then when it goes to the next owner uh, as a used car, they probably will give the same deal to them: six hundred ninety-five dollars for life, or eighteen bucks a month, or whatever. It's a used car. I'm not going to. So get in, read it. I mean, subscriptions are coming. There's nothing we're going to do about it. Stellantis has said it's going to be a twenty-five billion dollar part of their business with by the end of the this decade so it's coming can't change it start reading up on it start reading the fine print and let's press quit bitching about again fourteen thousand dollar batteries 25 bucks a month until you read the whole thing just pisses me off
1: wait wait what you mean people should actually do research and know the whole story well before they start complaining is that what you're is that what you're trying to get at john Okay. I mean, that's just ludicrous. I mean, that is that is I'm, not the American way.
0: I'm 100% saying that, but it would be a simple solution. All you've got to do is listen to No Driving Gloves, and we're going to take care of you. You could ask the question in the comments, because we seem to be pretty well versed on car things. Go to nodrivinggloves.com. Send us an email or a text, or let us know what your question is. We'll put a show together for you and answer the question. Should I buy an eight-year-old electric car? we can point out the highs and the lows of doing that and maybe some alternative things to think about.
1: But I really, um, I like to think of us as the Paul Harvey of the automotive podcast world. I was like, yeah, I did too. The rest of the story.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. Now that we're 22 minutes into the episode and we've touched on a multitude of pop-up subjects, Derek, what's the rest of the story on? (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Yeah. Let me, me to, and, you, let me just me go ahead and let me just Intro. <laughs> let me just go ahead and pull that article up that I uh, that we did some research on in the last week of preparing the show. Sorry, I think it started raining here. I heard some noise out that. So uh, yeah, the article that uh, kind of got me down the path of this and and a little irritated is uh, from. Classiccars.com, and it's from the journal part of Classiccars.com, so journal.classiccars.com. And uh, it is the news about the fact that the new VIN statute took effect on July 22nd, 2022 in, oh gosh, I'm blanking, was it Arizona? Yeah, Arizona, Uh, partially thanks to the Barrett-Jackson Auctions. And this is the new statute in Arizona, the state of Arizona that uh, no longer makes it illegal to remove a VIN number from a vehicle while you're restoring it and uh, restore the car and then put the VIN number back on the car. Now, as, as John, as you pointed out, there's some gray areas there. There's some, you know. There's some ways to legally go about this. There are states where it is absolutely illegal, uh, so on and so forth. And Barrett Jackson and others are hoping that by pushing this through, you know, they can kind of get it across the board. And of course, if I recall correctly, I don't think there are any federal laws. Actually, the article or the. I'm trying to remember. Is it is it that the federal there is no federal law against removing the VIN number? Yes, and, there is no no federal law, but state right, law But takes all precedence. the states are it taking takes... precedent, and you know, coming from a restoration background and having vehicles that actually, I should say, only one of the vehicles that we own had the VIN number removed before we acquired the vehicle. I am not a fan of the idea of being able to remove a VIN number. And actually it wasn't even a VIN number. It's on a car that is old enough. Of course, everyone knows that most of the cars my father and I own are too old to have VIN numbers. They just have simple serial numbers because they're before the VIN, uh, VIN number laws and and federal acts went into effect. But I'm not a fan of this because yes, there are people out there that would be very, uh, you know, proper and, Honest and do the right thing in their restoration by removing a VIN simply to be able to take care of corrosion issues, something like that, whatever the issue may be they're having that they need to remove this thing and put it back on. But there are way too many people, and I think it outweighs the number of good people that are going to use this to have the ability to fake a car and change the VIN number. And make it something that it never was. And of course, all in the name of. So I'm not a huge fan of this idea.
0: I totally agree with you because most states do have a provision for this. Now it's not necessarily the most convenient and easy. Um, Kansas, which does get a compared or mentioned to end this because of an uh, unrelated, well, related that, has a provision that you can remove the VIN number. However, you have to contact the state police. The state police have to come over. They remove the VIN number. They take the VIN tag with them, leave you a receipt. When you're ready to reinstall the VIN number, the state police bring the VIN number back and reinstall it on the car. So they have a provision. Now, Part of what brought this light was the gentleman who bought a Corvette in 2016 or 17 in Indiana, who lived in Kansas, brought it to Kansas. And I lived in Kansas for a while when you bring a car in from out of state in Kansas. And I actually, you have to do it here in Alabama. But it was kind of funny with one of mine. Um, You have to. Go and show, you know, bring the car in. They've got to look at it, etc. And somebody noticed the VIN number did not have the proper rivets, so they impounded the car and it's supposed to be destroyed. Well, Kansas is in the process of modifying their law, and for some reason, this Corvette still exists. Uh, guy's owned it for five or six years, but he can't touch it because it's still an impound. So there's some logic behind the Barrett Jackson law. It's also going to be interesting to find out. It's legal to do it in Arizona. Let's take Kansas for instance. It's not legal to do it in Kansas, so I remove my VIN number in Arizona, or I do it in California, and then I ship the car to Barrett Jackson. Barrett Jackson sells it to me, and I live in Kansas. I take it to Kansas. Kansas looks at it and goes, "This VIN number has been removed. We're gonna tr- we're gonna crush your whatever '69 Chevelle SS that you know you just paid 180 grand for because the VIN number has been removed because our law doesn't permit it." So. Barrett-Jackson has made this legal for cars they sell at the Arizona auction, but they have not necessarily made it legal for you to own that car in another state. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toby said something here. I didn't read his whole comment. It's a slippery slope. (laughs) It is. But um, I was thinking that today I'm a very black and white person and that's the law know your laws. If you're collecting cars, know your laws. I don't know them for all 50 states. It would be nice, you know, could always research it. I know in Alabama when I move here, they are, or I bring a car in from out of state, they're going to check it. They're going to look at the VIN number. Unless your car is on or in an enclosed trailer that it barely fits in, like a Caterham or Lotus 7 in a 6x12 enclosed trailer, and the inspector happens to be too large to get into the trailer, and asks you to go in and read her the VIN number. Or him. uh, Yeah, or him. I was kind of, that's what happened to me. She could not get into the trailer Mm -hmm. to read the VIN number, so she had me read the VIN number. I could have made up anything. That car actually had three VIN numbers. It had the catering chassis number, it had a number from um, North Carolina, and it had a California number. California Mm -hmm. number was really important because when I sold the car, it went back to California, and because it had that California VIN number, made it a dream for the new owner. to. Mm-hmm. I think it added exactly. value to that catering. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, and that, there, there's, you know, the problem is that, of course, for a long time, VIN numbers, serial numbers, whatever it was, were just kind of put wherever, uh, you know, on the car that the company decided to place them. And, you know, I... Early Corvettes, C1 Corvettes, have the VIN, or some C1s, not all C1s. Well, early C1s, it's simply a plate screwed on the driver's door, and then you move to having it riveted to the steering column tube. And it, especially on the steering column tube, they have been known to corrode and have a number of issues with them, you know, not surviving terribly well. And the scary thing there is that if you say found a very significant Corvette in a junkyard from that era, and it was beyond restoration, correct? So say the fiberglass was just absolutely destroyed. The frame was so rusted that it just wasn't worth it. Uh, The engine was missing or, you know, blown to pieces at some point. But this was an extremely important Corvette. Had a strong history. And say you looked under the hood and there was a, you know, good portion, but not all of the you know, early serial number VIN tag that was on the steering tube, column tube still there, specifically the last six digits. All you got to do is pop that off, go get another C1 Corvette of the same year, have a new tag created. You have what you say is the original remnants of the original tag that you took off for restoration and had a new one made because it was, uh, you know, so far badly corroded and so far gone and you put that on this other car and of course change the numbers on the chassis and the the other stampings where it's you know consistent well now you just created that extremely valuable car that's rotted to pieces in a junkyard because you were able to remove the VIN tag and create a new one and put it on a different car that to me is a problem and a similar story
0: that actually happened. I believe it, it was a Jaguar, it might have been an SKSS, that was cut into quarters. Right front quarter, left front quarter, right rear quarter, left rear quarter. And they proceeded to build a car around each quarter. Each quarter was original. So all of a sudden, there are now four original Jaguars. And it came to light that there were multiples of this Jaguar. And it did. So people will do this. What Jaguar ended up doing is determining that the VIN number that is stamped on the left, uh, left or right shock tower, front shock tower, is what is required to be a Jaguar. So the other three weren't real Jaguars, even though they contained just as much original cars as the one with the VIN number. But there had to be a decision made. However, that shakes out. But there are, I want to say nefarious, but that's not the right word. Uh, Oh, there are people oh, out I there like that, the fair. that will um, do anything because, frankly, cars are valuable. Um, I mean, people will shoot you over five bucks. Why wouldn't somebody fake a car over fifty grand?
1: Oh, no. Lord, people have fake cars over <laughs> less than that. Yes. But here's the thing also, and, and you know uh, maybe I, I should do a little bit more. I should have done a little more research. I apologize to our listeners. I should have actually maybe read the House bill in its entirety. But in the article, it simply states that removing and reattaching the, via, the vehicle identification number, the VIN, during repairs or restoration is no longer against the law. So here's my question. If that's no longer against the law, and they're simply saying that it's the VIN number that can be removed and reattached, and you have a Jaguar that the, I believe you said it was left front uh, stamping in the shock tower part of the chassis is what determines which car that is, What we'll keeps somebody from cutting that part of the car out and putting it on a different car now, because that's still part of the VIN number. So it can be removed and replaced. Exactly. Um that's what I'm saying. This gets so shady. I, there are so many ways early to... on
0: early on in my restoration, um restored a C four MG, which was actually a sixty-three, it was a really early production. Is that how no restored a sixty three MG and the parts car we used was a sixty-four mg. The VIN number on that 64 MG was actually prior to the C3M. Now, you have to understand back in the 60s, especially with cars like that, they were titled for the year that they were sold, not necessarily built. So this early number car sold after, you know, in 64, after this other semi-early number car. There was discussion, and fortunately, the shop and the um, owner were, what do you want to say, had some morals to them, because it very easily, this guy could have went from having a low thousands MGB to the 114th MGB ever made. Now, granted, it was 64 to 63, but at that point, it doesn't matter, because you're going to go, you sell it by the VIN number. This is the 114th MGB, and geez, they all rusted out, so it's probably one of the five oldest MGBs on the planet. I have pictures of that 64 mgb cut up into pieces in the back of my old dodge ram pickup um it did go to the junkyard and went away but there's one of those instances that i would to make significant value changes but i bet you in the mgb world it would make a three to six thousand um, dollar value difference on it from being say vin number you know 117 to vin number three thousand two hundred and eighty three you know, so she goes to a interesting podcast I listened to with Seinfeld and paying attention to numbers and how yeah. he's a number guy.
1: Yeah. So here's my question: when when the '64 went to the junk, the scrapyard, junkyard, wherever you took it, did you did the shop you were working for or you yourself destroy the VIN?
0: No, the car just went, and it believe me, it did not go away, but <laughs> our, our, the VIN did not leave the car would have been what was put into the pile to go to the crusher or shredder almost immediately.
1: Okay. Just curious. Oh, did you
0: want, did you want me to go out to the warehouse and get you the VIN plate? (laughs) No, no, no,
1: no. I just, cause you know, uh, many, many a moon ago when uh, we had a parts uh, car for the 74 Pontiac GTO, we had a, another 74 GTO, but it was a trunk back instead of a hatchback, but we were using all uh, parts out of the front end and interior Uh, but it was, it was gone. I mean, it was, it was in bad, bad shape. We were just saving a few of the parts that we really needed. We got the car for free basically. And, uh, you know, but my dad being who he is and, and, you know, the way we believe in doing things, uh, you know, we made sure we knew the car was scrap. I mean, we were using the parts off of it. We cut the car up cut it up quite far, uh, but in the process of cutting it up, we ensured that um, all of the cuts damaged all of the chassis stampings. Anywhere there was a number, including the VIN, uh, we were sure to destroy. That way no one could strip it off the car and use it on a different, um, that way it was, you know, we knew that it was gone and someone else wasn't going to fake a car with the, the VIN number, so.
0: Now, Toby pops up here with 60s Mustangs. The short story is the serial number is on the inner fender, and then there's actually another tag on the door. Mm -hmm. And you can change the front clip and not the door and then have mismatching vans, change the doors and not the front clip and change the front clip and the doors and still have mismatching vans. What's right? What's correct? And personally, in my family, this situation exists because we have the 76 Mustang ever built. Now, it's not running. It's not driving. It's probably if you leaned on the car, you'd fall through it. It's so rusted out. But we have the VIN number. Those VIN numbers, I guarantee you, are worth money to somebody. Um, so I can't tell you where the car is. I think my dad's the only one of the car. is. Um, but and there's a long story with that. But there's you know another example of I'm going to send this car to Arizona and have it restored. It's legal for them to take the VIN numbers off while they're doing the restoration. I've been involved with the restoration of a car that the only piece of the car that came in with the car that left with the car was the cow. The floors were replaced. The rear fenders were replaced. The front fenders were replaced. The frame was replaced. The cow is the only thing that moved over. I mean, so it, it, um, it's definitely, you know, Derek says it's a scary thing. Um, Toby's saying how slippery it is. Um, And it really goes down to, you know, the States. And then you get into the States.
1: Um Well, but before think- we go there, I want to jump in because, you know, we're talking a lot about just a, a VIN number moving, you know, from one parts car to a different car uh, being restored, so on and so forth. I think the, the, bigger problem that we have to understand is that not only not only that but it opens the door to no oh nice one uh oh well i've got i've got a well let's go back to the chevelle exam used i've got a 68 base model chevelle or a 68 well i saw an article just the other day about a, a 68 heavy chevy chevelle that's on ebay right Com- Completely rusted out Hulk. No engine. I mean, this thing is junk, right? But guess what? It's It's got VIN numbers. It's got other things that are important. So somebody's got a 68 Chevelle Malibu, you know, base Malibu, whatever, you know, six-cylinder car. Run on eBay, grab this heavy Chevy, which is the in-between, right, between the base model. And they brought it out to basically give people options, you know, base model and there was the SS, but of course to appease people, they had this heavy Chevy version. I don't know if you remember that, John, the person with the base model car goes out, grabs this heavy Chevy, gets the VINs off, of it, takes those VINs, swaps them out for their VIN on their Chevelle. Now they have the heavy Chevy and they can put whatever Chevy engine was appropriate at the time into that heavy Chevy, which you had your option of engines at that point, other than whatever was being used at that time in the SS that was reserved for the SS. Um sixty eight would have been, was it three ninety six or the four fifty four that was re- reserved for SS that
0: year? I think it was uh three remember right. I think three ninety six is I don't think the four fifty four is until the seven to okay.
1: Yeah. But anyway, they could go out and put If their car had a, you know, base six cylinder in it or the little uh, V8, I don't, again, I don't remember every engine that came in the Chevelle at 60, but they could move it up to a, you know, 350 block or whatever they want, a little higher performance. Well, guess what? My, my VIN says it's a heavy Chevy. It could have that engine in it. But yet the real car was a base model. That's that's where I'm also scared because now we're getting fake cars because you're taking a VIN. I, I mean, it's just, I don't like it. That's uh, just my take. And maybe I'm too much of a purist or too much of a, a uh, honest I mean, guy, but I don't know. It's I think
0: you have valid points. Um, Unfortunately, we de- we're dealing with lots of commas in a lot of these cars. Um,
1: I tell you um, what, I'm going to, I'm going to have a really cheap 71 Hemi Cuda convertible <laughs> when I can find the right VIN number. I'll tell you that okay. right now. Um, of course, now that I said that, if I hit the mega millions, you know, this week and I can actually afford a 71 Hemi Cuda convertible, everybody's going to question it.
0: Yeah. Well, you see, I've got this Corvette alternator laying around here. I'm just trying to find the VIN numbers to go with it. So I can, there you go. The numbers matching Corvette.
1: <laughs> uh, Z R one, right? C three Z R one or Z R two.
0: No, it's no, it's it's a C three Z R one big tank convertible alternate. You didn't even know the car existed. That's a special one it right there. I'm gonna take three different VIN tags and combine them.
1: 'em. <laughs> you've heard of you've heard of one of one. This is one <laughs> of none.
0: <laughs> so now we're talking about selling our cars. So you've went ahead and you've got your VIN number, and we can put it here.
1: You got your a, fake a car. number
0: And you put it on your E30 BMW. And then you go to sell it. And you put, I have a BMW E30. And it's got PW, PS. PL. Yeah, yep, PL. AMFM, PE, AMF. PB. ABS. PB. Right? Um, <laughs> some of the acronyms for the options, people understand. Very few anymore. Don't. Very but few. if you, now saying an E30 BMW people buying e30 bmws there's a lot but i don't what's an e32 i can't do is i don't know if that an e30 is roughly the late 80s bmw um an e32 i don't know if it's the next generation i don't know if it's a 2000 tell me what the freaking model year of the car is you have a 5 series bmw tell me it's a 535i or 550 don't tell me it's a BMW E46, you know, with a 5.5 liter, you know, V8. I don't know if I'm buying, you know, and I don't know if I'm buying a 550. I don't know if I'm buying a 535. I don't know if I'm buying a 95, a 2003, you know, a 1982. Why do, pe- why do car people do this? Yeah, it's really cool to talk among your buddies that you've got an NA Miata, or a FD RX-7, but it's always, I have a Mazda NA, or I have a NC, or an FD Mazda. What did I just talk about? Unless you are a RX-7 collector, you don't know what an FD is. Hell, I don't even know what the other designations of a RX-7 are. I assume they're probably an FC and an FB, maybe, I don't know um it just i see these ads all the time
1: you know out. i and maybe you know i i hate it i i absolutely hate it. I, not that i i shouldn't say i hate it i just think it's some of it's just unnecessary number who why why do you why do you have to list it in the ad number one if somebody's interested in the car they're probably going to reach out and say What options does it? Is it the fully loaded model? Is it a base model? Does it have this? Does it have that? Maybe these, maybe these ads are being written this way by these people to ensure that only another collector will buy the car that's going to understand the lingo. And stuff, but again, but I see it. The problem is, I see it in the local, you know, free auto traders. You open one of those up, and somebody's got an ad in there, and they're like, "I got a 1997 GMC Sierra, a PWPL, a PS, a ABS, a AC, BGDFQPRLT. What, like?" Ford You're selling a used with, car.
0: 4WD yeah, with LSD and a 5-speed?
1: FWD. <laughs> AWD. Part-time. part-time AWD.
0: Yeah, most yeah. people don't know it. There is no such thing as part-time AWD. There's part-time uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the, the acronyms, it, it drives me nuts on the mini boards. Uh, got an R52 mini. Got an R56 mini. Got an R60 mini. Got an F60 mini. I drive an F56 mini. Um, what, and it, it, it took
1: me a year to figure out I drive an F56 mini. Did you ever, did you ever find a FU mini?
0: (laughs) Not yet, but you get on there and you say, well, I've got this or this, or this is for sale, or I've got these pieces from, and half the people on there are going to have to go look it up. Tell me you've got an exhaust system for an 04 to an 08, you know, mini Cooper S. You know, that, that works for Or tell me you've got it for, you know, a country, first generation countryman. That even helps narrow it down. And we're not dealing with, like I said, R60s and F60, you know, Q7s. And it just, that absolutely frustrates me. I'm talking to car people here primarily. We are a car podcast. Will somebody tell me why you do it? Is Derek right? You just don't want your FD Mazda to go to a non-fan? Which, when I'm selling it, I don't give a damn who buys it. It's all money in the end.
1: As I say, is <laughs> if you're selling the car, you're well, okay, maybe I shouldn't say that.
0: Okay, if I'm selling a Ferrari G- 62 250 Ferrari GTO, I might care who the next owner is, might care where the money comes from.
1: But as long as it's clean money that's not going to get taken away from you, do you really care? Exactly. But I, you know, I say that, but then I'm also the person that deep down at heart, you know, if I was to sell one of my cars, I'd probably, well, with some of the cars, not all the cars, but, you know, a few of the cars, I'd probably want to make sure I'm putting it into a set of hands that's going to love it and care for it and all that. But again, if, as you're saying, John, there, there's probably a big difference between uh, selling a Ferrari, you know, 250 GTO. And you know your 97 GMC Sierra and how you're going to list that and how much you're really going to care who that 97 GMC Sierra goes to and whether or not they understand what PW, PL, PS, ABS, uh, AC, EFI, everything else really means.
0: Well, I always wanted one of those, what is it a about um, an 0405 GMC with the uh, um, uh, RWS on but they were always impossible to find because no dealer would ever list them with RW. So of course I was interested in the uh, prelude with four uh, W and that's, that's a subscription. Um, I think Mercedes is doing it on some of their cars that you can subscribe a uh, monthly fee and you can have um, RWS on the cars
1: or it will be active. It's interesting. Hmm. So that'll be an interesting one to talk about on the uh, subscription show.
0: Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. I just heard about that one a day or two ago. So They're coming, coming to get you.
1: And this, let me just remind everyone that this is a great reason and an important reason that you all listen to NDG so often.
0: Yes, long pause. I was probably up for my bitch of the week, and I just don't know which one to choose from.
1: I thought you were just trying to figure out what NDG stood for.
0: No, I put a list on my um, Amazon Alexa stuff put NDG, but then I realized when I was going to do an NDG comment, I always told it no driving gloves in. It. Oh, maybe we should come out in our newsletter, Derek, with a handy little guide to what all those common abbreviations
1: that can be across the board. We have a newsletter? We should. Oh, okay. So really the conversation is we should start a newsletter. Well, the we, first if issue you, if you, should.
0: If you, you would have went with it, maybe we've got some people emailing us going, hey, you have a newsletter." And we would add subscribers. Dairy. But
1: hey, you know what? It's the live, it's it's the live video feed. You can cut that out of the audio when you edit. I can. But if it's already out there video, why take it out of the audio? Okay. You're driving through
0: a parking lot or city streets and somebody just decides to stop and then they put their flasher. Or this happened to me that irritated me as I'm driving through a complex and the person in front of me just flat stopped. And of course, I came to a stop behind them. And after a moment or two, I guess they realized what they did. And then they turned their flashers on as they sat to wait for somebody. Immediately to the left of them is another lane of traffic, small parking lot, not very busy. Immediately to the left of that or adjacent to that is about 60 empty parking spots. Too damn hard to pull into a parking spot. You could have even pulled in parallel without anybody notice. But no, you stopped in front of me. You put your blinker or flashers on. I go to go around you as somebody's coming the other way at dusk with no headlights Um, because you were too lazy to pull into a parking spot. You about crashed your car,
1: my car, and somebody else's. Wait, can we complain about the guy that didn't, people that don't have their headlights on at dusk as well? Seeing you threw that in there. Can we just, can we get that one stuck into this week? Well, we probably could, but that
0: gets into the people who don't turn their headlights on when it's raining uh, people that, oh, I have daytimes running lamps. My headlights are on, but they forget their taillights. are. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm actually one of those that go, oh, come on, come on. I know my headlights should be coming on because I don't want to turn the switch and screw up the programming. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. You got to set on auto and you're just like, come on, baby. I
0: really want to yeah. reach down and move that knob over one because I know it's going to take me eight days to remember to move it back to auto. So,
1: you know, what really doesn't make sense though? We've done daytime running lights. Why in the world do we not just make it all the way around? Just have running lights front and rear, daytime. It just, it come on.
0: Because you do realize daytime running lights run at a lower percentage of energy and it's slightly yeah. dimmer than normal headlights. So can you do that with your taillights? Do we really want to encourage people to burn out their taillights any quicker than they do? Because that, believe me, will be coming up in a my bitch of the week is people that have a left taillight with two or three bulbs in it, a third brake light with two or three bulbs in it, and a right taillight with two or three bulbs in it. And they have one bulb working in the left taillight. You've let 10 other bulbs burn out. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, granted, going to all this LED stuff, it's a little bit different story and a hell of a lot more expensive to fix. But, anyway. but I mean, really,
1: John, if if you're going to tear the taillights apart to fix the bulbs, you might as well just wait till they're all out and replace them all at once. Yeah, true. I mean, that's that's all they're doing. They're just waiting for everything to be out. It just, Easier job, just take everything out, put everything in new, put it back together. That way, you don't have to pull it out. You know, one bulb two weeks later, another, but you got to pull it out again, just wait for it well,
0: all to go out. An interesting bit of trivia I live in Alabama, as most of the listeners Alabama 2022 law only requires one operating taillight. <coughs> My question is, why can't I go into the Ford dealership and only buy a car with one taillight i don't want to pay for all that other bullshit i don't want to pay for the other taillight i don't want to pay for that brake light i just want what the law says i have to have you're you're forcing me to buy all this needless stuff maybe you shouldn't turn it on and i should pay a subscription for how many taillights i've ordered.
1: Ooh, i like that so
0: now you got a whole bunch of bitches out of me in the beginning and the end does it does it charge
1: per blink it could is it like one cent per blink on the turn signal
0: well that was a, a joke that somebody was talking about with um you know keyless entry toyota's talking about charging for that so are they going to charge per entry you can subscribe to unlimited entries to your car per month or i want 40 entries per month or i want 20 entries per month you know can you have different levels of the subscription depending on how often you actually want to use the remote
1: mm, yeah Oh, i can see that. Hey, hey, sweetheart, could you open up the car? Ooh, sorry, I've only got like three entries left. I'm not not gonna be yeah. able to. Not gonna be able to. Yeah, here, here's right?
0: here's the metal key. You need to walk out and manually it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, just use the key.
0: Well, there's a whole bunch of happy-go-lucky we talked about, and I'll just throw into the headlight conversation. It's a law in damn near every, possibly every state. Why can't we make it that when you the windshield wipers come on the headlights, the whole headlight. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing. I mean, you could charge probably a buck a month. For
1: yeah. Look at this. Look at all the money we are generating for the automotive industry right now. Speaking of generating money,
0: no driving buy us a coffee there. If we uh, entertained you, the show, uh, kept you occupied and provided value to you for an hour and five minutes. Or once I run this through the editing software for 47 minutes and we are, uh, I'm going to be out of here. No driving gloves.com. Buy us a coffee, links to everything on the webpage. Uh subscribe, like, follow, do whatever the heck you need to do. And we'll talk to you next Thursday, maybe about
1: vehicles, hmm. maybe. Just maybe. maybe. What he said, and I'm out of here.
0: No, you're not you're not out of here yet. I'm still looking for the exit. We'll do this and see. Hopefully there's not music attached. It's in exit.
1: the same place
0: every week.